Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Michael. <coughs> Hi, I'm Michael, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Michael. I have a picture I'll pass around. This is me at 350 pounds. I, um, uh, so I was a, uh, um, very uh, serious overeater. I was really big at times. I was also a yo-yo dieter. Um, so I, um, after I came into program, I did a history of all of the all of my food and weight shenanigans, and uh, which I highly recommend because it's very enlightening to write figure it all out and write it down. Um, and I realized that I had gone from 350 to 250 pounds, 100 pound weight loss, five times. Um, obviously, it didn't stick, um, and uh, I thought I was really good at it. I thought I was in control because I could set my mind to it, and I could lose 100 pounds, uh, and, um, I thought, and I could do it at will, and so that must be really great. Well, there's, there's not really much very good about it, actually, because um, uh, um, for one thing, <clears throat> losing weight down to 250 pounds still left me extremely overweight. Um, and for another, it turns out that losing 100 pounds really quickly is pretty bad for your health um, and has permanent effects. And doing it repeatedly is, doesn't, doesn't help. Um, so, um, so there's the, the, the dieting. Um, and um, on some days, that's my preference, right? On some days, left to my own devices, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be going on a diet. Um, and... Um, on the rest of the days, my preference would be to be overeating, and so what that would look like um, is uh, I would like I would skip breakfast and I would skip lunch, and then I would have dinner for five people. Do the math, right? That adds up. That's way too. That you know just stacks it on over time, and that's not even binging. Like that's normal dinner, right? And then there's the occasions where, for whatever reason. I was particularly sad or I was particularly happy and celebrating or maybe I was bored. Really could be almost any kind of emotion at all, but for some reason there would be some need to have some extremely large amount and then I would do those things. And so I have those experiences and, um, um, and it's a visceral body experience, you know, it's like eating until like the esophagus fills up, you know, and it starts to feel kind of solid and like then it's like there's no swallowing happening and there's kind of a choking feeling, you know, like stopping only when it's physically impossible, right? Not certainly not stopping when full. Um, when the full feeling was the trigger to have more, right? It felt good to have more after feeling full. I think normal people stop when they feel full most of the time. So uh, I have abnormal reactions. Uh, I have to, uh, abnormal bodily reactions. I have abnormal mental uh, trains of thought about food and weight. And um, uh, so that's, uh, that qualifies me to work this program. And um, so let me see. Um, uh, I thought I was in control. I was kidding myself. Um, and, um, but I needed to like exhaust all of the possibilities. I needed to try everything I thought I could do to be in control of my food, my eating, my weight. Um, it was, uh, only after all of those things that I ever wanted to do failed, could I really do this other thing that we have. 
Um, then the steps get, offer hope for the hopeless. Um, if you've uh, tried to control the whatever compulsion and you can't, it opens up the possibility for some kind of of surrender that's not going to happen otherwise, right? It's uh, so surrender is a word that gets used in OA a lot, um, and I find it really helpful. Um, our invitation to you talks about the fu- more fully we surrender, the more fully realized, the more total our surrender, the more fully realized our freedom from food obsession. It says, um, and I can relate to that. So this this surrender though is about. Uh, for me, letting go of preferences um, because I have the way I'd like to be doing my life. I would prefer to be eating certain ways, behaving certain ways, knowing certain things, in control of certain things. And any time that I'm certain about those things and I'm willing to let go of them because there's something bigger, some bigger perspective. I don't even mean, I don't mean anything supernatural, although if you have a, like a religious belief or there's a supernatural thing and that works for you, that's great. Um, but for me, it's not even a supernatural thing. It's just there's a broader perspective than my narrow little preferences. Something more important. And anytime I'm letting go of that, that's a surrender, right? That's the step three. That's the making a decision. That's the turning my will and my life over. So, and the way I think of over to the care, I always emphasize the word care, over the care of God, as we understood God. So as I understand God, is it something great, it's, there's some power greater than myself, some power greater than my in, inadequate power to stop overeating <laughs> and dieting. Um, and um, that, um, and letting go my preferences in favor of that feels like being cared for. For me, that's how that works. So it feels like care. So I read uh, step three as describing a feeling, a sense inside myself, um, because I wasn't taking care of myself before. Um, and um, I thought, the, I honestly thought the purpose of life was to be self-sufficient and um, uh, uh, like have everything handled myself and be in control of my life myself. And um, uh, that didn't work for me. Uh, inevitably, I ran up against the things that I couldn't control, the things I couldn't change. Um, or something <coughs> would come up that would interfere with my preferences, my way of doing things. So um, uh, so I get, uh, I, uh, I get hopeless. I come to a 12-step program, and uh, this, this program, and um, uh, step one is acknowledging the nature of the problem. The nature of the problem is basically I'm doomed. Um, the <coughs> left of my own devices, I would eat myself into a grave or diet myself into uh, fatty liver disease or pancreas failure or who knows what was going to happen to me. Um, I had terrible sleep apnea, um, and uh, so like when I just sat still, I would fall asleep, you know, which was extremely dangerous while driving, um, and uh, I couldn't watch a movie or a TV show, right? I would always fall asleep, and um, um, so I would jack, jack myself up on caffeine, right, to stay awake, and it was just, um, um, uh, who knows what was going to happen, slow, uh, an early slow death. 
Um, and uh, so that's the doom, and, I, and that's what me being self-sufficient looked like. So maybe there's something better, huh? Uh, and I come here, and there's people who are sane, seemingly. Um, at least they act like sane people, which is better than I could do. <laughs> and um, which is not what I was expecting. I came expecting to see crazy people. Um, and um, uh, so that's interesting. And I saw people who were kind of comfortable in their own skin, which is something I didn't even know I wanted for myself. Um, so <clears throat> uh, the uh, so that that's that is I hear I hear I see that, and I hear some of their stories, and I hear how some of them used to eat like I used to eat, and some of them had food behaviors that maybe I didn't have, but I could relate to the way that they were talking about them. Like, oh, I did the eating like they did that. Um, and the AA literature works like that for me. I used food the way they used booze. Um, and I needed to have it every day, and I needed to have more of it, and um, I used it in some hardcore way that normal people couldn't understand, and it was secret and shameful and embarrassing, um, and, uh, and I got to wear the, the embarrassment, you know, so that everybody could see. Um, so... Um, the I hear other people doing better than I could do for by myself. So I think, well, maybe I could just let go of a little bit of the, of that idea of self sufficiency that I'm in control, and try a few of the things that they tried, right? And that's the core. That's the core of step two. I mean, the start of step two is just acknowledging the nature of the solution. If I acknowledge the nature of the problem with step one, the nature of the solution with step two is something spiritual. What does that mean if, you're, if I'm not religious? Well, something greater than myself, right? Some broader, wider perspective than my own narrow perspective. Um, and I get that by letting go of my fixed ideas and listening to what you're doing and maybe trying some of those things you're doing. Maybe something different will happen because me repeating what I was doing was just going to keep repeating. So I hear things people did. Um, people uh, put together a food plan that they talked about with another person. These things still make my skin crawl a little bit. Uh, and uh, um, uh, like that's an amazing thing to do. That's such a brave thing for a compulsive, over, compulsive eater of any kind to do, is to take the embarrassment and the shame and the guilt and um, be honest with, about it with another person, or even just with yourself, um, and just to write it down. And maybe it's in, maybe it's before eating, maybe it's after eating, um, whatever works. Um, the when I first started, something that worked really great for me was there's one of our pamphlets. <clears throat> it's called Dignity of Choice, and it has a list of like uh, food possible food plans in it. And it's just a great way to start because you, so that you don't have to figure it out when you're new. You could just pick one and, like, is there one of these I'm willing to do? Willing, conceivably to do. Okay, maybe that one. <laughs> you know? And then, like, I could try that. Um, and now I'm trying something that who knows how many thousands of other people are also doing because it's in this pamphlet that's all over the place. So that's pretty cool. I stuck with that food plan for a very long time. It worked for me, um, and it's still the core of, of what I'm doing. Um, the um, so then 
So I've got, if I, if I understand the nature of the problem and the nature of the solution, then let's make a decision, right? I need to make some kind of decision. I need to decide to take advantage of the solution. If there's this spiritual solution involves these 12 steps, um, I need to like choose to do it. Um, and I don't have to do it all. And I don't have to do it perfectly. Um, all I have to do is start. So there's something, uh, this is the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is adopted also as OA literature. Um, and in the Step 3 chapter on page 35, this is a little thing I want to read. So it says, a beginning, even the smallest, is all that is needed. Once we have placed the key of willingness in the lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more. Though self-will may slam it shut again, as it frequently does, it will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. Like I can make a beginning just by being willing, making a start, any kind of a start, even a really small one, and that opens something up. And it opens something up that keeps opening, that keeps coming, that keeps getting bigger. And even when it slams shut, it can be reopened again. And recovery, my, my experience of recovery is like that. There's always more recovery. How can that be? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's always more abstinence. How can that be? That's a, I don't understand that either. Um, there's always more serenity. Um, and even when I lose these things, which I do, um, it can be opened back up again just by being willing again. Um, there's, no, there's no point of no return. There's never a place where um, I can't do it anymore. I can always just go back to being willing. Um, and that's a, so that's, that's amazing and wonderful and quite different from any spiritual, inner spirituality I'd ever been introduced to before. Um, and um, so um, I wanted to share that. Um, so that's step three. So I make a decision, <clears throat> and then steps four through 12 are actions that I can take. And I can do those actions, and they're actions that open that door, open it wider. <clears throat> if the door is closing, it opens it back up. And um, I can just keep doing those things. And once I've been through them, maybe a few times, then I just want to like, learn the principles of all of those steps so that I can do them every day. Because all of those things increase that flow of something that makes me sane. Um, and by the way, being sane also just brings about eating like a sane person. <laughs> um, and um, it's uh, the goal, like what I'm trying to do is be in alignment with something greater than myself, to have some perspective broader than my narrow perspective. Yeah, but the result is I get the thing that I wanted at the very beginning, right? Which was to have a normal-sized body, to be healthy, um, to be relatively sane, to, to be a decent person. And it doesn't. And those things are hard to do sometimes. There's an effort involved in doing those steps and keep doing them and being a decent person, uh, eating like a sane person. There's effort involved, but it's the kind of effort that's not for my benefit. Um, it winds up being for my benefit. But, like, why am I doing it? I'm doing it because there's something more important than what I want. Right? 
There's something more important than my preference. And if I practice that every day over and over in a bunch of different ways, then when something comes down, there's some kind of disaster that happens, or I really want to celebrate, or there's something emotionally destabilizing, or I'm particularly bored, any of those triggering, triggery type things, then I've got it in my bones that there's something more important than what I want, which is to overeat or go on a diet at that moment. Because um, it's kind of too late once I'm there, right? And when it's once I'm triggered, like it's a little too late to like start something, you know. Um, but I can continue something. I can pick, I can go with the momentum and the flow that's already happening. So it seemed I'm explaining all that because it seemed like when I was new, it seemed weird and mysterious. Like how could these steps, like uh, moral inventory, you know, uh, make amends? What? Like how? What does that have to do with eating? Um, but it, my experience is it works. Um, so I'm just so glad that other people shared their experience and I tried out some of the things they did. Um, uh, working with a sponsor helps. Um, and I, I've had times in the program where I didn't have a sponsor and it was, it was harder. Um, and um, uh, I remember when I, uh, when I first came, um, I thought that there were secret meetings where people, because people had like this, people were talking to each other with like, it's like there was a shorthand. There must be some other place that they were talking. They were, had these, so I, th- I thought there were secret meetings that I wasn't invited to. Um, and they were just like referencing those meetings accidentally, you know, and that's why I couldn't follow what they were talking about. But, t- but it turns out there, there are these secret meetings and it's like people talking with their sponsors for the most part, right? You know? Um, so that's um, <coughs> so. Um, what else do I want to say? Um, the um, you know of all of uh, I mean the of four through twelve. Um, I guess I want to highlight a couple, a few things. One is six and seven. So six and seven get sort of um, like in the big book. There's one paragraph or two paragraphs. Um, um, but my experience is like there's a whole lot that happens on a daily basis in six and seven that I could just sort of live with six and seven. Step six and seven um, are uh, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, and seven is humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. You know, so like breaking that down, the um, how can I be entirely ready to let go? Um, and there's a tool that I learned to use, and I just, I'll mention it to pass it along because it might work for you, where I write it down. Um, so the thing that I want to let go of that I can't let go of, right? So it's like a pattern of behavior or it's an aspect of my character that I can't control. And, uh, and then I have a column that's how it helps. And I write something about how it helps. There's a column that says how it hinders, and I write something about how it hinders. And then the last column is, what would it be like if this weren't running me? You know, and there's like a leap of faith sometimes into that. And sometimes it's an I don't know, and I'll just have to meditate or pray or something. Um, Maybe it'll come to me later. Um, So um, I find that incredibly helpful um, because I get those situations 
like almost every day, there's something I can't control. There's some part of myself, some way I am, you know, my negative thinking. Um, that's one of my biggest ones. Um, and um, my preference, my desire to control things, that's a good one. Um, and um, and I can just use six and seven to take it back to... Um, take it back to... Um, there's something bigger. There's something bigger than my narrow ideas about life. Um, what would it be like if that thing weren't really important, wasn't running me? Not that I would, because sometimes it helps, right? So I don't need to get rid of it. Everything helps, and everything hinders, right? Um, so that's a profoundly important thing I learned from this program. Um, and then there's step 12. Um, I also want to emphasize, because that the thing in the big book where it says that it helps when nothing else does, that's my experience too. Working with another addict, another compulsive eater, um, helps me when anything else would fail. Like, um, so um, having opportunities to do that is important, and that, can, that happens at meetings, it happens with talking to people by phone or text. Um, and um, there's all, it's one of those things where there's room for more. There's always room for more of that. How can that be? I don't know. Um, you would think I only have so much time and energy. Um, but that's a thing that gives me time and energy somehow. Um, so um, uh, that's my experience. Um, it's just my experience. If you, maybe you related to something. If you didn't, some, uh, listen to somebody else, and you'll somebody else will say something that you can relate to. Um, I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for the program. Um, and um, you know, and don't give up. Uh, keep coming back, and something happens. Um, like the second or third, it was the second, one of the early meetings I went to, the second or third time, as I was leaving, somebody shouted out, keep coming back! <laughs> I thought, oh, that's so sweet, she's telling me to keep coming back, she must, that's so nice. And then I found out that's a thing people say. So, <laughs> keep coming back. All right, thank you. Thank you.